You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey, non-plus listeners. This week's sponsor is the OG nerd subscription box, Loot Crate. We love Loot Crate. We've got art, collectibles, and t-shirts from our own subscription adorning our shelves at this very moment. Why did you put t-shirts on a shelf? Well, I, I didn't. It's just, it's for the ad. We've got Loot Crate stuff, you know, decor. It would be weird to have t-shirts we, on a shelf. Yes, it would, but you could put it in a frame, or if it's signed, you might shadow box it with other stuff. Loot you Crate could- is the monthly subscription service that partners with entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture brands to deliver themed crates right to your little geeky hands. Choose from a ton of different crates from specific franchises like Marvel or general themes like anime, gaming, sci-fi, and more. Best part, they offer local shipping in a ton of different countries, so geeks around the world rejoice. To get 15% off your first Loot Crate order, you've got to use our very special link in the episode description. And when you're ready to purchase, use code NONPLUSSED and snag that discount. Use it for a gift, use it for a subscription, just don't use it late for dinner. What? Click the link in the episode description and use the code NONPLUSSED at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. I'll geek to that. And one for Mahler. Encanto may be my new favorite, and only because it has my last name in it. Uh, <laughs> God, you can't set me up for an Encanto joke. Because I don't think anybody wants to listen to uh, to a joke about me being Encanto. <laughs> you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. episode of non plus to gay romp through the disney plus vault that over there is my husband clancy over there is my husband josh and we are non plus to mischief media podcast happy new year happy new year new, new year new me new, new year same you new, oh yeah, yeah new year same shit it is the um same shit. i'm cracking and popping uh every time i move at this point i'd be surprised if my body didn't emit a sound whenever i stood up (laughs) um but hey we're going into 2022 with at least as much gumption as we do anything else yeah i mean (laughs) that's fine yeah um uh, welcome to our second uh, series of hiatus episodes in between season two and season three. Yes. Um, what's a hiatus episode f- mean in this context, Clancy? Well, it means that we're not talking about a movie in depth or anything like that. We're mostly just going to kind of keep it loose and talk about a couple of things that uh, interest us right now. Yeah, but before you do that, of course, as always, head over to mischiefmerch.com to get all of your geek finery or your fine geekery. Yes. And if you use code nonplus10 on any of our nonplus merch or any of the MCU merch, you get 10% off that purchase. Also, we got some news uh, relevant to the platform. Turning Red, as you pointed out before we started, is a platform-only release yeah. on March 10th. Yeah, they changed it. Uh, so it originally was going to come out in theaters, and then Omicron you know, reared its ugly head, and here we are again. It sucks because it Pixar feels fans like, are really mad. It's the yeah. third Pixar film that's gone straight to Disney Plus without a theatrical release. And in the context of the pandemic, sure... But there's a lot that they do still push through to theaters. Yeah, it feels like they shat on it a little bit. Like they made sure that Encanto got out in theaters. Yeah. They made sure that the Black Widow got out in theaters. Well, and, and and Eternals was out in theaters. Like all 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 of these movies were happening during 
we had the Delta variant at that point. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's just kind of crappy that they are. It yeah. just, it's kind of demoralizing for somebody that's worked at Pixar that has made these really great movies and it doesn't get to be seen on a big screen. Um, I, I, I'm not disagreeing. And we'll link a Gizmodo article that sort of like covers this yeah. sentiment. Um, but today's episode is brought to you by the letter E because <laughs> we're talking about two recent additions to the platform, Encanto and Eternals. Yes. Um, speaking of Encanto, um, Encan- Encanto. Encanto. Um, we, this, we just watched this the other night. Super cute. Loved it. It is. music it- super catchy. It is so catchy and it's so like we started watching it. I was like, that's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes. And uh, Josh looked it up and yeah, 100%. It's not even that I looked it up. It's like, yes, this is lin Like I, th- I knew going in and I don't think you did. Yeah, no, but it was, it was, it was apparent from the first song. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's, it's a really interesting, if you haven't watched it yet, what's really interesting about it is, um, uh, Mirabelle is basically a, uh, Mirabelle Madrigal is basically a Disney princess who doesn't have a romantic storyline no, and looks like a normal person. She has glasses. She's yeah. capable, but imperfect. You know, it's, it's the waitress. She's imperfect, <laughs> but she tries. Of course, Mirabel doesn't have an unwanted pregnancy or a surprise pregnancy. Rather, I don't want to say it's unwanted. I don't yeah. know. I haven't seen waitress. Um, point is, um, it's, oh, it's a really interesting take between Mirabel's character design and this massive family of unique characters. Oh, for sure. It's a really interesting take in animation. There's a lot going on here, even though it's in terms of the movie, it's very small in scope. The way that they built the story was very, was very interesting that, you know, it was all very much like, here's this whole family deal with this. Mm. I, I felt for every character in it at some certain point, And I got to oh, yeah. see their arcs, which mind you, a lot of their arcs, simple, but also arcs don't have to necessarily be complicated. No. Right? Well, like, and they couldn't be in a film like this, especially with this runtime. And it's funny because they mentioned it on the, on the Wikipedia page. I think this was in an interview or something at D 23, but yeah. um, they talk about how, while he was doing Moana, Lin-Manuel went through the experience of there were apparently Moana had eight brothers at one point and they all got cut. Yeah. And so because he knew this was going to be sort of a family story, he wanted to prove to the, the muckety mucks that you can tell a story with this many characters. Yeah. And have the audience on board. And so he wrote the family Madrigal as proof, as proof of concept, basically. Yeah. And then here's this big rundown. Um, and the framing device for it is like the village, like, Hey, tell us the story. Tell us the story. It works yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Again, this is where I'm like, the arcs could be simple. We don't get too much with each character, but it's enough to care about the characters. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really important and, and really well done. Absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't feel fatigued through any of it. No. And, and like, even the house got its own personality. Yes. The casita. And it was, um, you know, inspired uh, by traditional Colombian homes, but also like in, in movies in which houses come alive, like Beetlejuice. Yeah. I, you could definitely see that. Like it's got its own quirky little. It, it, yeah. It's got a, yeah, it, it has a personality. You can tell that it's sort of playful, but also like when it's trying to protect someone or something like that, the, you know, the way that it springs into action and and somehow it can tell time oh it's for always sure. scooting alarm clocks across the floor <laughs> it knows mirabelle's um Mirabel! it knows her routine because she's always just walking out the door and suddenly she's got her shoes on her feet there's just something like i was just reading this new york times piece that we'll link about uh, yeah. we don't talk about bruno oh yeah which um, is charting right now it's yeah it's like number five on the billboard charts it's going nuts on tiktok and some of the other films from the or songs from the movie are too it's a delightful it's delightful it, it's delightful music. music's good and it feels authentic yes i mean as, as much as 
I would know what that would look like. You know what I mean? I, well, sure. Yeah. We're, we're two white guys exactly. uh, who grew up in the United States. And while I grew up in Texas, you grew up in Utah. Yeah. Um, like I know a little bit of Spanish and you know what hot dog boats are. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> right in if you want to know what they are. But my point is, is that like, even though there is a, a very specific cultural frame of reference and, mm-hmm. um, even just on the Wikipedia, they go into how they had like a whole council of, of Colombians, um, creators, artists, architects, chef, like all these people that they yeah did research with, even though it's culturally very distinct, there are still very universal themes um, e- e- that come through in the story. Yeah. And they, they mentioned the writers and directors mentioned um, in some interview, again, we do all of our research on Wikipedia and I tried not to, to do work for this. Yeah, so for sure. You'll forgive my um, blase approach, but uh, they were quoted as saying, um, their true north for the story was um, it being about how you see the other people in your family and how you're seen. And that as yeah. a concept is very universal. I mean, when you think about the songs for um, the sisters and how uh, one is always the strong one, but sometimes it's just too much and she's kind of weak and the other one's yeah. always the perfect one, but sometimes she just wants to be messy. Like, again, universal themes. Even fucking, uh, we don't talk about Bruno. I felt a degree of kinship for except in my family it was we don't talk about homos no 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 um and everybody's been just, singing it through the house for the past hour yeah because it's just <laughs> it's that's why i identify because this is yeah. this is where my very southern family was like oh no we don't know it, it's just josh josh is so theatrical it's just because we don't talk about homos no 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 <laughs> um yeah i just i love that even with a, my perspective on what family is, is very different. My point is from yours, from yeah. other people's, but the, despite that there are universal themes that they managed to nail with the music, with the story, with the character designs. Well, yeah. And, and, it. and it's, and, it, and again, it's showing how, you know, the family dynamic, I mean, effectively all of these writers were, you know, stuck with their family for two years and, you know, Hey, this is what family trauma looks like. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like that's, that's what it is. And including the short that came before it. The story was being developed before the pandemic. Oh, for sure. But I mean, like you can tell that there was a degree of like poignant storytelling that is dealing with that directly. And like the short that came before it too, with the raccoons. Yes. Yeah. Same thing. You know, and the other, the other kind of thing I want to kind of like compare this to is like Luca where you have that same sort of like, you know, we are focusing on what a family dynamic is like and what a character that doesn't feel like he belongs in that yeah. family uh, does. Yep. And like, it's really cool to see like writers being able to do this and to talk authentically through their culture, um, yes. you know, to, to bring these stories to the big screen. It's, it's well, uh, to Disney plus. <laughs> um, watch it like if for what if for any reason you thought maybe that's not for me trust me i promise you it absolutely is i don't think we've really given anything away about it i think that you can still very much enjoy this movie and we both adore it absolutely i I will watch this movie again i will probably put it on to go to sleep too i listen to the soundtrack all day at work today oh yeah well like i'm just it's all (laughs) it's all up there 
Yeah. In well, let's turn to a different movie that has a bunch of characters in it. A different movie about a different type of family. We'll talk about The Eternals for a bit, which just finally came to the platform. Now, we did see this one in theaters. We, we managed did. to go see it late night mm-hmm. I think before flying somewhere. Like we were it was dumb. It was dumb. The theater was not very full. It was we uh, to clarify, we made a silly decision because we were very tired the next day. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed seeing this film oh, in yeah. theaters on a big screen. It was it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous yeah. film. Lots and lots of characters in this one, just like in Canto. Uh so I, I just think that it's interesting the way that they handled this one, where mind you, I liked the Eternals. Yes. Well, it's just gonna get that out of out of the gate. Like I thought it was a good movie. You think it could have been served by an opening number. It definitely could have been served by an opening number. Introduce us all with song. It would have been good. Rogers, the musical aside, could you imagine like a musical Marvel movie? No. Would that just be too hokey? Yeah. Yeah. They did a Superman musical. Oh, it's a bird. It's playing Superman. Ah. Then they did a TV version that starred Leslie Ann Warren, who was Miss Scarlet and clue. Oh, that's cool. She was Lois Lane. Yeah. The whole thing. But yeah, lots to answer your question. No, I don't think <laughs> it wouldn't. Superheroes it wouldn't. It Spider-Man wouldn't Man, turn off the dark. Like it's been it's we've tried. Oh, that's right. We've tried. People tied all that, didn't they? I think so. Oh, no. Anyway, again, a lots of characters. It, mind you, I think that they gave all the characters the time that they kind of needed. Well, it was a different approach, right? You you got you met these characters one by one and then saw their present sort of personality immediately contrasted with their past one. And Correct. then everybody came together and then you saw the family dynamic of their last sort of like group encounter contrasted to their current one. Right. So it was, um, I mean, when you think about it, it's a murder mystery mm-hmm. and to a degree we were exploring the suspects. Oh, while that's also a, that's it, a fun way to think about this. Right. So yeah. like, if you look at it that way yeah, and, and maybe that's why I didn't have as, as hard a time with the character. Cause I hadn't read any of these comics these these are all new characters to me yeah um but i think it's just one of those things where i'm a little bit more receptive to the suspension of disbelief i think so too i think that this was you know and i'm not tooting my own horn i feel like uh, and we'll talk about it here in a minute some people really didn't like this movie for some fucking reason yeah and and to the point to where it's not as funny as a lot of the other marvel movies have kind of come to be um, but you know, we got off the rails of, of, uh, um, of end game or, you know, end game and all that, yeah. where those movies were kind of somber in, in tone, this again, sort of somber in tone, the way that it, it sort of, ends. I would argue that infinity war is more somber in tone throughout oh. than end game. Yeah. Cause at end game, you're basically, we're basically starting at the crisis. Yeah. And it gets and things getting better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, things just keep getting better. Very that. But yeah, no, you're right. We, there hasn't really been an attempt to. Is it ground is ground the word um, Marvel uh, MCU films? Yeah. As as heavily emotionally as yeah. this. Yeah. Because I mean, this is very much about I, th- I feel like again, Infinity War is the closest thing because that. I don't feel very well, Mr. Stark. Like that was <gasps> like that grounded, yeah. but like, because the stakes were so high. I don't know. The, yeah. I think. And again, this sort of shows it, it's more of a macro level of like, you know, Hey, it, it's kind of like Iron Man three in terms of that was focusing on Tony Stark's trauma. 
and sure. how he was dealing with that. Right. This again is sort of uh, dealing with the trauma of living for 7,000 years, going through all of all of human history, yeah. not being able to intervene and how that shaped them as people or mm. eternals, you know, in present day, like you have um, Fastos. There, there's literally a shot of him kneeling in Hiroshima. Yeah. That's such a powerful and, and, and specific, specific time. And it's just, it's again, Babylon I, is so much further removed. Ten, ten, no, Chitalan. I probably butchered that. Sure. Far removed in a historical time context. Yeah. Hiroshima, much more recent. Very, very much so. And like, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see like how he is, he effectively has been like, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to raise a, I'm going to raise a family. And, you know, a homosexual family, a homosexual family. And we get an intergacial homosexual kiss. Yes. And neither of the intergays are white. Yes. It's, it's good. Phenomenal. It's so good and, and, and needed. And it, the, the only thing that's sad about it though, is because when you start to think about it, it's like, well, Fastos is going to outlive them by thousands of years. Like it's a truly a speck. In mm-hmm. his lifetime, effectively, or what he was thinking was going well, to happen. Well, and maybe the same question mark with Dane Whitman. We don't know if yeah. that whispery magical sword uh, gives him extended life or not. Right. But, you know, that's, again, that's, it's just such an interesting thing that, like, we're, we're getting to see these characters. Uh, again, the, the, there is an arc that each of these characters goes on. Mind you, some of them not as good as others. Sure. Um, they're tr- they're truncated arcs. And and again, because they're trying to do a lot. Yeah. Um with with what they have. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I there's arguments to be made that it is a little bit too long. They do linger in some places a little bit, but yeah, I get I get why. This is the second longest Marvel movie. I get why. That's yeah. the approach. It's also very different in palette and tone. Oh yeah. Um and and I think you're right. Like they mentioned um the uh that Kaz and Ryan Firpo expressed interest in making an internals prequel series for Disney Plus. Yes. Which would be awesome because I'd love to dive a little bit more into each of those characters. I w- yeah, I would love I would love 45 minutes of Fastos or 45 minutes of Druig getting that amount of time and kind of getting to see how he got there would be great. Like yeah. I would love something like that. How do you how do you go from uh, the conquistadors killing the natives to running a cult in, <laughs> in the Amazon. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. But again, I think that that would be fun to explore. And honestly, I would have liked Gemma that. Gemma said she wants to come back to play Cersei, which I mean, feels a little obvious. I, I think at this point, no spoilers, but there's nothing definitive at the end of this movie. It is very clearly open ended. That's true. For at least a three different directions of stories. Yeah. At least. And even like Gilgamesh and Angelina, um, I can't remember what her, Athena, that's Athena. her name, Athena. G- getting to know their story when they were, you know, when they had parted ways. Yeah. And like, I would love for and Angelina Jolie to come back and play Athena. Like, yes. that would be great. Um, And so, you know, hopefully that's something that happens. That would be delightful. But as we mentioned earlier, like, some folks just haven't really liked it. <laughs> Again, I can understand, uh, Moira McDonald for the Seattle Times kind of had a, a a a good encapsulation of how I felt about it. It's like it has its flaws in a nutshell. It's too long. It's got some pretty slow spots mid film and it's desperately in need of more wit. 
Agreed. She also went on to say what it does have is a palpable artful mood. This movie is full of superheroes who spend time thinking and feeling and of the special effects that aren't zippy and uh, but are often like delicate and elegant. Like, yes, I feel like that again is kind of how I felt about it. Yeah, it was too long. Yeah, they were trying to get through a lot with these characters. But at the same time, I'm fine spending the extra time to do it, mm-hmm. even if it's a little bit clunky. And I'm I am no one with no expertise here. I can see the source of the friction coming from this is not what you expect from a Marvel movie yeah. in tone, visually. This um, is different. It's very different. But I want that I want more types of superhero stories because let's not forget, great spoiler country. If you haven't listened to Eternals, go ahead and bop ahead 30 seconds or so. But the after credit scene again, spoiler country. Yes, but if you haven't seen it yet, please skip ahead a skip minute. Skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled. Are you gone? I realize that I'm pushing out the skip ahead. Sorry. If you get anyway, Dane Whitman's going to become the Black Knight. His whole thing is, um, it, it, like he he's he he gets bloodthirsty as he wields that blade. Yeah. And speaking of blade, the voice we hear is Blade. So like, and this is going to a a Marvel Knights K N I G H T S area, which is a bit like for DC people who are more familiar with DC, um, like a justice league dark. It's a bit more mystical. It's a bit yeah. more Gothic. It's a bit more dark Horror. this is where, um, maybe Morbius will fold in. Um, we can get some Dr. Strange action in there with, yeah. um, these folks like I, it, there's, we could get into true horror with, yeah. uh, superheroes. And I like that as a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we've, di- maybe we should discuss it because I think it's on the platform now, but the new mutants um, tried and like that just that landed like a wet fart. Um, Yeah, that was bad. It was. And it's nobody's fault, but it's also kind of everybody's fault. I don't know. Anyway, it's the studio's fault, if anything, if anything. But my point is, is that like there's some there's a nugget there that could have worked. Yeah, Um, I think it's what's going to make Morbius work, honestly, to a degree. And it's I think after watching it, what makes Venom work, even though it's Venom is also kind of camp and charming. Yeah. Um, the, it's it. Um, eh, thinking as I say that, like Venom wasn't that much of a departure from what you would consider a superhero film. I'm trying to feel like Constantine, yeah. right? That mm-hmm. is a comic book movie. It's DC, yeah. but that kind of, that kind of darkness and um, I don't know. I, it doesn't all need to be um, the sort of muted primary colors of, early MCU. I don't think. Yeah. And, and again, this is it, this movie, if but also to, go super bright and don't be afraid of color. Yeah. I mean this, this movie, if you were to compare it to say like captain America, like the first adventure, it's completely a different style and completely a different yeah. like uh tone and cadence and all of that. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're a, we're getting, more diverse directors yeah. to be able to, to do things like that's what I loved about black Panther. I mean, it literally was a different a, perspective, different perspective, huge departure from what Marvel movies were like. And again, that's shaping what we're seeing now. Well, even Shang-Chi and yeah. even um, like we just talked about Encanto, like there are different cultural perspectives that are being not just mined for their content, but, yeah. but, the content is filtered through those experiences, those eyes, those voices, those stories. 
and it makes it makes it feel more real it makes it makes it feel more grounded and that i feel like that's a um that's an obvious statement to make when we're not just wholehandedly scooping up cultures and reworking them for the pleasure of white audiences holy shit it's actually enjoyable to watch yeah when we let when we let people who look like the people in the story that we're trying to tell tell the story mm-hmm. it actually grabs you and makes sense and feels real and not just stereotype good god who would have imagined <laughs> yeah and you know to, to also kind of pull into the idea that like you know guardians of the galaxy which was great that was again another departure from the mold and i kind of struggled to see how they were going to fold guardians into the greater mcu and they did that very well and i feel that like this is the same thing we're gonna these characters are gonna fold in very well yeah so i'm excited about it i'm excited to see what comes of it and honestly like the the cosmic scale of things being the next level of where we go and then just beyond that kind of we get the tail the 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 Threads starting with like Doctor Strange and multiplanar travel and yeah. yada yada yada. I'm if if we're going in if the MCU is going in the direction that that the comics have and kind of branching out just like the multiverse does at the mm-hmm. end of Loki, um and and we start getting those different types of stories and different types of plots and new speculative fiction and wacky sci-fi like in yeah. magic and fantasy. I'm here for all of it. Yeah. And then especially, you know, once mutants come and come into it, like it's, we've got so, so many opportunities here for really great films and really great TV shows and, and, you know, comics and things like that. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. There's a, there's a good long year of content lined up too. I don't think we're getting anything until like March new that is, um, unless we hear something about a TV series coming sooner rather than later, but May 6th is when we're getting Multiverse of Madness. That's the next one that's up. So five months. And then July, we get Thor Love and Thunder. But what about the TV shows? You're just looking at the movies. Oh, that is just the movies. Let me see if the TV shows are. So there are no dates listed other than 2022. So Moon Knight is supposedly next, followed by She-Hulk and then Secret Invasion uh, this year. Miss Marvel also is mid-2022. Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like the rumor for Miss Marvel is July. Moon Knight and She-Hulk should be done filming, if not in yeah. post. I mean, generally, they're going to give us at least a month or two of lead, of lead time. Yeah, and I guess they could, in theory, within the next few weeks, announce an, uh, a series that's going to drop and lead into Doctor Strange Mom. Yeah. But of those, I don't know that any necessarily need to. Yeah. And the other side of this, too, is Book of Boba Fett, which is also going on right now, which is really good. We yeah. like it. Um, that is what's like the new hotness on Disney plus right now. So they may not want to compete with themselves. Well, sure. But I'm just talking about in terms of there being almost a RuPaul's drag race level of constant MCU content that we experienced last year. Yeah. Because you had WandaVision and then you had Falcon and winter soldier and then you had Loki and then you had black widow and then you had Mm Shang-Chi and then you had, uh, Eternals and then you had Spider-Man no way home. Yeah. It, it was, was a lot. It was almost something new every uh, six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to imagine we'll get a series or two before May. Hopefully, that would be good. I'd love. I'd love to see uh, something. She Hulk. 
Anything. That looks fucking rad. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's our episode that was brought to you by the letter E. Is there anything else you want to say in closing about Encanto or Eternals? No, uh, they both were great. I liked both of them. Uh, and they're both available now on the platform. Watch them. Exactly. So we would never do either of these for the show, which is why it's fun to talk about them in this context exactly. and not as in depth. Uh, if you want more of us, you can go to making uh, patreon.com slash making mischief and join the Patreon for the platform. You can get bonus episodes, not just from us, but from shows all over the mischief media network. Yeah. Um, you can catch the show at nonplus pod on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And what can they do if they want to recommend something, Clancy? They can send it to submissions at nonpluspod.com. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll read it. We absolutely will. And of course, remember to rate, review, subscribe, follow, append, attach, star, heart, the nonplus show. Yes. Our thing. However. Wherever you listen to us, from whence you receive your pods casted. Yeah. However, whenever. That's not this. <laughs> I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. uh yeah i don't know i don't <laughs> you've succeeded in dis dis disarming me like four times in half an hour i don't know <laughs> what to do with this that over there is my husband clancy and over there is my lovely husband josh and we are non plus so non plus but not about these movies no these were great i really yes. enjoyed them it was nice to just talk about movies we've seen it was <sighs> we'll see y'all next time bye now i don't know what i'm talking about I don't know. But either. it'll be Lucy Goose. It will. It, there, there, might be, there might be a goose. Remember to get 15% off your first loot crate order. Click our very special link in the episode description and use code nonplussed at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Get your geek in the box. What? Geek in the box, girl. You're going to get us into trouble. I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs>